don't just like set numbers and just like walk away, you're done. It's setting the numbers, going back to them and making sure you're actually in the guidelines and you're coming up with a plan if you're not. everybody, Emily Abadi coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to another installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. Today, I am so excited to be bringing you my conversation with Jamila Soufrant. She is a money coach. She's also host of the wildly successful Journey to Launch podcast. And we are getting into a conversation all about budgeting. Listen, there are a lot of different aspects to health and wellness. I talk about this on the show all of the time. I have addressed financial wellness in the past. And when I did so, I got a lot of different questions, DMs, and emails about budgeting specifically. So that is where my new friend Jamila comes into the clutch. Jamila has a a really unbelievable story when it comes to turning her finances around and saving. And she has made a name for herself, helping others to find the same amount of financial freedom that she has found. We talk all about that in today's episode. And she also gives so many helpful tips and tricks when it comes to executing a budget from how to plan your budget, how much money you should have saved for different things like an emergency fund, and how to home in on ways to possibly make more money outside of your conventional, perhaps nine to five job, or make the money that you are already earning really work for you. Loved the opportunity to connect with Jamila. We are both featured on the Today Show, which was how her and I came to meet in the first place. And to be real, I love making friends that do what I do, that podcast. I love hearing their tips, their tricks. I always feel like no matter how long you've been doing the thing, there is never an opportunity to stop learning. So to learn from someone else who's doing it and doing it well, it's a no-brainer for me. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on the socials. It's at Hurdle Podcast. Also want to give some love to my IG. It's over at Emily Abadi. Like I said in this intro, you know, I've been doing this for a long time and really do want to make an effort to focus on all different aspects of wellness in this feed. So if there is something specific that you want to hear about, a specific question you want answered, I am all ears. The best way to let me know is by leaving me a voice message. You can leave me one, hear your voice voice on the show. I know, really exciting opportunity by clicking on over to the show notes. It's super, super simple from there. And with that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Jamila Soufrant. She is the host of the Journey to Launch podcast. She's also a certified financial education instructor, a blogger, and a money coach. How are you doing today? 
Hi, Emily. It's so great to be here. I'm so happy to have you. So fun fact, Jamila and I were both featured in the same Today Show segment, which is how we have arrived here. I know. What an awesome connection, which, by the way, I don't know if you knew about it in advance. I didn't. I just saw someone else who was tagged and got profile tagged me. And I was like, wait a second, that happened? So that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah. No, I was 100% standing in line at a Zara in Soho. And all of a sudden, my phone started to go crazy. And I was like, what's going on? It's like Thursday at God knows what time. And then, yeah, same thing. But not a, not a bad way to start off a Friday morning. It was yeah, a Friday. It was Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so now we have this in common. You know what? Why don't we kickstart here by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Obviously, we know that you're good with money, but let's hear a little bit about you aside from what we're going to get into today when we get to talk about budgeting. Sure. So I'm Jamila, as we already established, and I'm actually in New York City also. I live in Brooklyn, but I was actually born in Jamaica, like not Queens, like the island, the beautiful island of Jamaica. Okay. So, you know, I am just someone, it's funny when people say, oh, you're so good with money. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm okay. Like, I, I don't think it takes extraordinary skill to do what I've been doing in terms of like financially, which is why I wanted to talk more about it because I felt like more people could access this level of freedom and happiness and the options in their lives if they could get it together. And that's basically what I've been doing for the past, few years that I've been doing Journey to Launch, which is my podcast, and my company full-time is I quit my corporate job. I had this crazy commute from Brooklyn to New Jersey, and I was making decent money, but I wasn't happy, and I was starting to have kids, and I knew that that wasn't, and that couldn't be my life, and the only way that I could think uh, to get out of it was, well, I need money. Like, how am I going to support the kids that I want? You know, I have a husband, but his income is not like he's rich, so his, his income is not going to be able to support us. So what do I do? And that's when I started to go down this rabbit hole of Google and say and type in, how do I quit my job? How do I retire early? All these things, I didn't really know what they meant, but I was like, how do I get out of this? And I found out about this thing called the Financial Independence Retire Early Movement. So the FIRE movement, that's the acronym. And before, I never really heard about this thing. And I started to read blogs listen to podcasts now in this long commute and discovered there was this world where people were, were taking their income from their corporate jobs or regular jobs as teachers, saving, investing, paying off debt. And in a few years, 10, 15 years, they'd be able to quit their job or retire early, travel the world and do what they wanted. And I was hooked once I found out about that because I said, well, okay, so I don't have to win the lottery. Maybe this will take a longer time, right? Because you have to allow save and invest. But there is a way that I don't have to stay stuck in this commute, in this job. And that's when I started to plot out how I could one day retire early or quit my corporate job. And I did. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I have not reached complete financial independence and we can talk about what that means yet. But I'm well on my way and because I started to dive into this journey. I started to take the steps to get better with my finances to be more intentional. I was able to put myself in a position to quit that corporate job, to quit that commute. And now I'm, I'm making more money than I did in my corporate job. I have three kids now and I live a life of more freedom. So that's like what I'm trying to tell everyone is possible for them if they just start this journey. Okay. So then you've got to tell us about what complete financial independence means. Yes. So in the technical sense, it means you have all the money saved and invested that you don't have to work, actively work again for income because your portfolio of investments or passive income gives you money in which you can survive and live. So 
so it pays for your expenses. And I like to say that that is a glorious goal when you think about it. Like, wow, I don't have to work ever again. And I have investments that support my lifestyle. It's amazing, right? But I find that while that vision is cool for some people, depending on where they are in their life, they're just like, no way. There's no way based on where I am, (laughs) how much debt I have or how much money I want to spend that I can reach that. And so I like to break it down a bit. And that is the complete definition. And it's the big goal. But there are ways that we can break that down to make it more attainable. And which is really important is that we find freedom and more options on our way there. Like we don't have to wait until we have a million dollars invested to enjoy our lives. We can find that balance today by making intentional decisions. Yeah. And I mean, I would assume, and obviously everybody's different, but I feel as though a lot of people would want to work in some way or find something that they could spend their time doing. It's probable that that thing like brings them income, but just this idea I don't know. I, I'm, I guess I'm just like projecting how I feel about this. Like I can't imagine not working for the rest of my life just because like I did so well for a little bit of time that I'm like all set, but to each their own. No, but this is the thing. I think that's an important valid thing to discuss here because I know that a lot of people, when they first hear it, they're just like, well, I want to work. And the thing is most people want to work and everyone that I've interviewed on my show who have reached complete financial independence, they're still working. But they're doing something different. They do what they're doing what they love. Uh, it's something like it's a choice. So I like to say, don't get stuck on the retire early part. I think it's more important to talk about financial independence in the sense that you have options, you have choices. So let's just say in a few years you want to travel the world, take time off. You don't have to stay stuck in a situation that's not serving you because you have the resources to make a choice that's different. Hey, that, I mean, that sounds amazing to me. And obviously to get to this place, we need to talk about budgeting, which is what we're here to talk about. Now, I think I read in a Forbes article that you went from being able to increase your family's savings rate from 15% to 44%, saving over $160,000 in two years. Is this correct? This is correct. Okay. So that's a, that's some budgeting work right there. That's budgeting. And I want to say this, cause I'm just like, I like to be upfront about this. That is uh, that's a direct correlation to our income, right? So we were not making you know, minimum wage and doing that. So I always like to say that for people who can't even imagine. Like they're just like, come on. But I will say that when we started, my husband and I, so that's the both of us together, started to intentionally budget before you know, money was just going. But we intentionally sat down and there was this goal that we were working towards. Then it became easier to prioritize what mattered and for me, that meant I don't want to be stuck in this commute for the next 20 years. So how do we get there? And so it was about saving and investing, paying off debt. And that's what we did over the next few years to be able to hit that milestone and invest the way we did. Yeah. I mean, I'll be fully transparent. Part of the reason why I have been so interested in having guests on the show that are talking about financial wellness is because budgeting is definitely something that I'm trying to keep top of mind. Uh, really this year, since we're still at the beginning of the year, I feel like it's like very much within my wheelhouse before things get out of control. And so having you here to talk about this, like just makes me super, super excited. And I do feel as though others can relate to that, right? It's like, okay, we're at the beginning of a year. I may have not like done whatever I needed to do in say to speak, January, February ish, but like that's only a little itty bitty part of like the whole 12 months here. Listen, wherever you are right now, you can turn this around. <laughs> you can turn anything around. Uh, and I like to say this. 
I don't actually enjoy or like budgeting either. <laughs> and there's levels to this. There's levels to budgeting. You don't always have to do the every dollar method where everything gets budgeted to a penny, right? If you're like you trying to get out of debt and reach some bigger money milestones, it may make sense for you to be that way so that you can really make sure you know where everything is going and squeeze out each dime. But I'm at the point in my financial journey that I don't have to budget every penny. I don't have to reconcile every day. And so it's it's interesting because as you start to do it, you'll realize what works, where you need some more discipline, and where your kind of hurdles <laughs> are, where then you can now make changes. So don't feel bad, Emily, that you don't enjoy it. Or if you've started or tried and it hasn't worked out yet, I, I, I really think, just like running, because I'm like, with this running like it's an ongoing process that I have to come back to each time to, to get it done totally totally so let's start at square one then for someone who hasn't been you know going back and figuring out where every single dollar has been going they're totally new to budgeting where does someone even begin because my hunch my hunch is that you start by writing down your recurring expenses yeah that's a that's a big Good job. That's a that's a big step. <laughs> okay, where do you start? All right. First, I would say carve out some time to do this on your calendar. So whether you're like, all right, I'm just going to do it now, but maybe in the future, you're like, I'm going to do this. Put it in your calendar that you're going to like spend 30 minutes with your money for that day in the future so that you get it done. But the first step really is tracking. So I like to say this for people who are really new is either you're going to look back at the previous month or you're going to start tracking from day one, which would be today if you're listening to this and you want to get started. And the reason for that is so many people don't understand where their money is going. Like in their head, the mental math is, I think I only spent $300 on restaurants. But when they look back at like the previous month or if they tr they're tracking it, they really realize that, oh, it actually it's 600 because they're not actually adding it up. So you first need to get an accurate idea of what you're spending and what is coming in. So basically what's coming in, what's going out? What are those numbers? Not what you think it is, not what you want it to be, but what is it? And then from there, we can create a plan. Okay. So an accurate idea of what you're already spending. After we have that established, we've done that like really scary first step. We've gotten over the first hurdle. Then what happens next? So if you're doing this either way, whether you're, you're looking back and categorizing or going forward and categorizing, you're going to get a list of items. And the thing about it is you have to log into different things. Like if you're like me, I have a debit card, I have a credit card. There's multiple places that you have to sit down and kind of grab this information from. But if you start writing it down and or using an app or just going into Google Sheets, then you can start categorizing things. So some things are really simple. Like if it's rent and mortgage, it's usually a reoccurring fixed expense. And then there are the things like running to the grocery store and or going out with your friends that happen more within the month that you have to add up together. But once you get all those categories together, then you can say, okay, what is my, I cannot skip this. <laughs> you know, these are my mandatory things I need to live in this world. So like rent, groceries, light bill. And then what are my discretionary fun things that I like doing? Going out to eat with friends, manicure, eyelash appointment, whatever that is, right? You, you bucket these things. And then you're now able to look at all right, so where's my, where's my income? Does it cover all of these things or am I falling short? And don't mm. forget debt payments or any, any other obligation that you have. And some people, most people realize that I'm actually spending more or have more obligations 
going out that I have money coming in. And that's when you can begin to consciously make choices on, all right, so what's the game plan? Am I going to cut back on restaurants? Like, yeah, I love going out to eat, but a thousand dollars is a little excessive and I didn't enjoy that restaurant. So how about I'm more intentional about how much and put a cap on it? Or maybe you say to yourself, you know what? I don't want to cut back. I can earn more. And you find ways to earn more. So it's it can be both that you work on income and expenses, but you really got to look at what's that, what are the things you're spending on, what's coming in so you can start making those decisions. Let's uh let's take a, a brief off ramp here to talk about that idea of, okay, I need to earn more. I get questions about this all of the time, and I'm sure that you do too, inquiries about how can I quote unquote find or make a side hustle? What do you say when someone comes to you with that kind of question? It's a great question to ask. The fact that someone is asking that, that's like their mind is opening up to that there is more because there is a limit to how much you can cut. Like there is a you know a limit to how much you can cut back. But I think how much you can make is limitless. And I didn't really understand that concept until I got into entrepreneurship. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> there is a lot of money out here. And you see how much people can make. So first things first, I know I'm going to talk from my experience and then hopefully it inspires someone else, but I followed my, okay, let's first decide what kind of side hustle you want, because it could be a simple one-time side hustle, like selling things in your house because you have excess things that you don't wear or just clutter you can get rid of. And that can give you some quick money wins. Maybe you then fall in love with the process and you start going to your friends and you're like, oh, like I can sell things for you, give you a percentage. Or it could be things like, I'm actually good at this skill. Like I speak another language. I'm good at math. I like doing hair. People always ask me to do those things for them as friends. What if I were to offer those services? Or maybe you like kids or animals and, you know, you can pet sit. So you can like almost go to what people ask you for what you're drawn to anyway. And then the other thing is, I think when it comes to side hustles that can eventually become a business. It's that's a little bit more involved because that might involve a little bit more investment in terms of your time and energy to learn the craft. But it really starts with, if you want to make it really simple, what around me can I make a, like a quick money win from? And the second one is, what are people asking me about? Or what advice are people always coming to me with? Or what do I get complimented on? And can I turn that into a way to supplement my income? Yeah, I think that that tidbit starting with asking yourself, what is it that I'm passionate about? What excites me and not garnering that influence from what you may see on social media. Like just because I see Jamila and she has a podcast about finance doesn't mean that like, oh, I should also start a podcast about finance if I have absolutely no interest in finance. Like ask yourself and be really intentional and be really honest when you do an audit about the things that excite you and the things that you may be able to do something with. Spot on. I mean, it's it's interesting because I think the the reason why a lot of people in the financial realm talk about expenses first is because it could be a little easier like to look at your budget if you're especially if you're spending things in excess and or just unintentionally that you could probably find like anyone listening could probably find a couple hundred dollars of things that they're actually spending things on that they don't care about or it's fine to cut out. And so mm. then that can then be funneled back into a goal that you have. I think earning money, not to say that it's easy, but it takes a little bit more effort. And a lot of this also is mindset. You know, it's mindset. It's that inner work that we have to do first. And so when it comes to earning money, there are so many opportunities out there. Even if you have a corporate job, right? Like you could say, you know, I don't want to side hustle and do other things. But okay, how can you then earn money with your current job? 
Is there a course that you can take? Is there a promotion you need to go for? Do you need to switch to careers or switch jobs? Most people, when they're earning multiple uh, figures of increase of salary, they're moving to another position in another company that pays them mm-hmm. more, right? So there are multiple ways you can think about earning more money, but it's important to at least know that it's possible for you. Taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about my sponsors. First up, AG1 from Athletic Greens. Let me tell you, not only is AG1 my everyday nutritional insurance, so to speak, with its 75 whole food sourced ingredients, prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods, but I also feel like when I am traveling and I am on a back-to-back trip right now from Los Angeles to Moab, Utah. I'll be heading back to New York in a couple of days, but there is nothing that's more important in my suitcase next to my sneakers than my travel packets of AG1. I start every single day with this greens powder, one simple daily scoop, or in the case of the travel packets, one itty bitty packet. And it just makes me feel my best. It helps me feel good about the fact that I'm in and out of different hotels and rooms and spaces and planes. And sometimes in the past, that used to mean that no matter what I did, no matter how quote unquote safe I was, I would end up feeling not my best the second I got back home. Well, no longer now that AG1 is a part of my regular routine. I feel like now that I start my days with this greens powder, I am doing the right thing for my body. It is my immunity insurance. And plus, not going to lie, it helps me feel good about my skin even when I'm on the move, which trust me in the past, I don't even want to get into it. It hasn't always been the best. Dryness, redness, bumps, you get the deal. AG1, I'm telling you, it's my all-in-one solution to feeling good in my body, nutritional, immunity, all of the things that I need to keep me feeling energized and good. Of course, they have a deal for you. If you head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle, you can get five free travel packs plus a year's supply of vitamin D3K2 with your first purchase. We love freebies. No code necessary. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle. Also want to give some love to my friends at Element. That's L-M-N-T. Let me tell you, that is something else that I packed on this trip. I'm about to head out after I grab some breakfast on a series of runs through Moab, which is a desert, which means that I need to really be thinking about not only my hydration, but also my electrolyte intake. Element is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It's plant-based with no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, or other sketchy ingredients. And if you live an active lifestyle, it is the perfect supplement to recharge. Element gives you the perfect ratio of electrolytes and tastes amazing. I am obsessed with their watermelon salt flavor. I also brought some citrus packets on this trip in particular, but you can't go wrong with any of their other flavors, ranging from chocolate and raspberry to orange, or if you're feeling a little bit spicy, they also have mango chili or lemon habanero. Yes, (laughs) please. Of course, Element has an awesome deal for the Hurdle listeners, and the best part is it's 
free. Head on over to drinkelement.com. That's drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get a free element sample pack. All you got to do is pay $5 for shipping. Again, that is drinkelement.com, drinklmnt.com slash hurdle to get your free element sample pack today. the word mindset, which then makes me think about feelings with money hand in hand, a lot of feelings, especially when it comes to getting honest about where your money is going. It was interesting how you just said you're probably spending money on things and you don't even realize and you don't even particularly care about them. Let's talk a little bit about money and feelings and how does someone deal with the anxieties perhaps that go hand in hand with getting really honest about where your money's going? It's so hard. I mean, we all have them. I still have these feelings about money and these ideas. And some of it is culturally, like, you know, it depends on how you were raised, um, the environment you were raised in, how your parents talked about money or didn't talk about money, the culture in which you live and the communities in which you live, all that impacts how you feel about money. So I think the first thing to do is not to feel guilty about how you feel about it because we all have our feelings towards it. And I know a lot of people who are supposed experts in this space and they're still struggling with their feelings as, as I am too. So it's totally normal one. So let that go if there's shame around that. And then the second thing is to do is to really figure out what are my real feelings and thoughts? Like, and are these things really holding me back? So for example, you may say you want to make a lot of money and you want to be wealthy. But really deep down, you you think people who have money are not great people or the way they got that wasn't that nice. And so you are almost sabotaging yourself without knowing it because you don't want to be one of those people. And until you are real with yourself and you kind of peel off those layers, then you can begin to see like, oh, wait, that's my real thought. And you have to feel bad about it. But you're like, oh, that's why that didn't work. Or even when you're thinking about not advocating for yourself. Well, I think for most people you know, who don't negotiate salaries, and especially for women, or who don't speak up, um, what's holding them back is really a fear of judgment. And all these little things that doesn't seem related to money, but if you can overcome those things, you can make more. Because if you're not as afraid of judgment or you work through those fears, then you, you can start a business with yourself online and start talking about your stuff on social media. Because you're like, all right, I don't care if someone is judging me. Or you can go to your boss and say what you need to say so that you can get a raise. But if you have all these internal feelings about not wanting to upset someone or feeling judged, all that blocks the money coming to you or potential money coming to you. Yeah, for sure. There's so much emotion in spending. I just, it's it's interesting to me, especially when we talk about you know, more earning potential, making more money, really trying to figure out how to, how to kind of level up in this sense that when you have new funds available to you, then it's a world of opportunity of what it is that you want to do with them. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that, right? Say you've made your budget, you're following it pretty well. Maybe you've implemented some of the tips and tricks that you suggested to hop into a side hustle of sorts. And now your earnings as appropriately have increased. What do you advise people to do when it comes to getting to that next place where you have these additional funds? Because it's really, really tempting to just kind of go back to not budgeting because life just feels easier at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, 
listen, it's important to have a vision about what you want your life to be. Like I like to work backwards in terms of what do I want for my life and lifestyle. And some goals are more immediate. Like this year, I want to take vacations with my family. Maybe the next five years, this, this, this other thing I want to do. And I still have my eye on, I want to be able to be financially independent because what if I don't want to do this anymore in a few years? I don't want to be stuck to that. So I think everyone should be working from understanding what they want out of life. So for example, if you know that you have goals, like maybe buying a house and or retiring at some point, because you don't want to work until you know have to work until you know are you can't anymore, then how can you work backwards to reach those goals? And I think when you do that and you have a budget and you're hopefully trying to stick to this budget, even when more money is coming in, you know that, well, my priority is paying off this debt. I have that as my goal. So extra money comes in, part of that is going to go to pay off debt. Maybe one of your priorities, like I just mentioned, was going on vacation. So how much is the vacation that I'm going to budget for this year? And how can I then, that extra money coming in, how much will go to that? So once you have the goals and the number with that goal, you can start allocating that money that's coming in to that. Because you're right, like if you kind of just like see the money coming in, but there's like no vision on where you want your life to be, before you know it, you could be spending it on things that really don't matter or are not as important as you said they were when you were looking at your lifestyle. Yeah, that idea of working backward is actually really, really helpful. And I I like the the thing that happens. I don't know if you experience this, but for me, when I started being my own boss and getting tons of different uh, income streams from a lot of different vendors and companies that I was working with, it was almost as if having to put a certain percentage of every check that came in into a separate bank account, knowing that that money would have to go back to the government was a really good lesson in teaching me how to separate and put different chunks of money in different places. For someone that uh, maybe isn't a contractor, why don't we talk about what the benefits of doing something like that could be? Like, Does someone need, I don't know, eight bank accounts? Or is there a better way to think about how to split up your money? Yeah. So are you talking from a business perspective or like I'm just income? talking about, I mean, like for me getting all of these, I mean, now I'm in like prime tax season. So I'm thinking in 1099s, but for me getting so many different checks in all the time, I am automatically putting some of a mon- some of my money into a separate account because I know that I'm going to have to give that money back to the government. But I feel like that approach can also be like a way to think about the way that you need to divide up your finances from a budgeting POV, right? So like maybe it's like, I want to put this much amount of money into the bank account that pays for my rent and my utilities and this part of my money into this account that's for whatever and whatever. And I don't know, it can just be a lot to handle. No, that that makes sense. So, okay, here's what I would do in terms of personal finance. And then I do want to touch a little bit on the business side. But personally, I think, so, you know, we talk about budgeting and figure out what your cash flow is, what's going out. How So people usually ask me, how were you able to save and invest all that money back then? And I say I made that part of the, the mandatory expense line item for myself. So just like the mortgage had to be paid, we had to invest and save this much. So I prioritized it over some of the other fun things in that moment because I knew how important and why that needed to get done. So I'd say for anyone, um, making things automatic is key. So, you, you know, you talk about transferring things over. If you manually have to do things like I know me, like I forget, I push it off, I don't do it. But if I set a savings goal or an investing goal of a certain amount, I'm automatically transferring that savings amount to a separate savings account, not my checking account, because I don't want to be tempted or have that money mingled with money that's going in and out of my account every day. 
And if I have an investing goal, I'm automatically transferring that money to that investment account. So I'm making that automatic and you can start small. It doesn't have to be like a lot of money at first. It literally is just, you're starting small. You can increase it as you go. But yes, you're right. Some things, especially your saving and investing goals, those should be separate. You should try to make those automatic. And then when it comes to business now, I love this because it's very similar in terms of separating your money. Like I know a lot of entrepreneurs or people who want to become entrepreneurs and you have to be also on top of your money when it comes to separating it out. Like every dollar that comes in for my business, 30% goes into my tax account to save. And usually I don't have to pay all that back because I'm strategizing with my accountant on how to save money, but I'm preparing for that. And so it's similar to kind of what most people are going through, but some people don't do actually. And then tax time comes around, they owe a lot of money is that you have to think ahead. Yeah. Oh my God. I remember when I first really started getting into this entrepreneurship lifestyle, I would talk to other women specifically that did that, that would just wait until April. And they were like, well, like, we're just going to figure it out. And the anxiety that I had deep in my chest, thinking about just figuring out, giving the government like a chunk of money. I was like, I I could, I could not, I could not do this. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why. So it's like creating a budget for your business and then personally creating a budget for yourself. So my, my personal accounts are separate from my business accounts, right? Those are completely separate. I had to open up like a separate account that way nothing was commingled. I knew exactly what I was paying myself versus what stayed in the business and what stayed for taxes. But I do want to go back a little bit to the personal thing because I think for most people they get hung up, especially if you're not into this is like the first time you try to get into it, is that it's not going to seem easy or straightforward. It's like the mechanics of it, it sounds good if you're hearing me say this, but then it's like you, you know, you turn off the podcast and then you're like back in your life and you're like, all right, now what? Like, what account? Where do I go? And um, so I think I think it's important to acknowledge that, that sometimes it's in the weeds that people get lost in this because there are a lot of options and a lot of like little savings accounts and apps you can use. So it's like, which one do I go with? But I, I say start simple. Like, do you have an emergency fund? Do you have something where it's if something happens to your income or to you, you can reach back and pull that money out so that you're not going into debt? Like that is number one. Okay. Yeah. For that number one, how much money would you recommend someone should keep in their emergency rainy day fund? This is going to differ uh, for people. Like if you want like quick, just in case of like little, you know, car emergencies that happen, you could say 1500 to 2000. That's a starting one. But a full funded emergency fund should probably be about six months of your expenses which will take yeah, some time. that's what I've heard before. Yeah, so that's going to take some time, right, to get to depending on your expenses. But it's worth it to have and to work towards, even if it takes you a couple of years, because if something does happen to your income, you want to know that you do have something like a cushion to help you. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, it's interesting, right? Because the thing about a budget is that you can cater it to, uh, you know, whatever your personal needs or priorities are. Right. But we hear so often, like you should only be spending X amount percent of what you make on where you live versus like X amount of percent of what you make on your groceries. Like who really is to designate those numbers? Right. Yeah. You know, I think those are rules of thumb for people who would like following rules. I actually don't like following other people's ideas of what my life should look like. And I think, again, it depends on your priorities. If you live in New York City or a high cost of living area, 
sometimes that living calculation is not going to work out depending on where you live, right? Or um, depending on what you enjoy doing. Someone can say, well, you should only spend this amount on vacation. But if you, if you prioritize vacation, then you may be willing to spend more in that side of your life and on that part of the spreadsheet versus maybe clothes, right? Like, and so I think it's important to like see the rules and like look at them and see if they work for you, but provide some sort of comfort. Some people like guidelines, but it's okay to deviate. It's okay, like depending on where you are to make changes. And I also feel like I think people should enjoy their lives and their money. But I also think you should be realistic about where you are. And it's not that you can't have all the things and you don't deserve all the things, but you do have to prioritize. You can't have all the things at the same time right now. And so really sitting down and figuring that out would then allow you to say, right, do I really, is it more about living in the city and I have to spend more money to live here and it's worth it to me? What is the trade-off on that? And what do I have to adjust in my budget to make that happen? Versus, oh, well, maybe I can move outside of the city, spend less and do something different, right? Right. So what is what does your life look like and what concessions do you make in the short term so that you can have long-term benefits? Yeah, that's a really, that's a really good way to think about it. Okay. What else, if anything, have we not covered yet when it comes to executing on a budget? Right. So scheduling was important. I, I said that at the top of it, but once you start, because what's going to happen is it can get overwhelming if you don't do this at all, or it's your first time. And then you may feel like, oh, I did it when you just started and then you don't go back to it for months or weeks. And then that just, it's kind of like, you need to keep going. So it's like put reoccurring time on your calendar to check in until you get a budget together or at least a spending plan together. If you don't like the word budget, don't call it that. Call it, call it a freedom plan, call it a, you know, a guideline, make up another word for it. But setting some time aside to do that is key. Uh, figuring out what's going in and out and writing it down is key. And here's the other thing that people get confused about who are not uh, always into budgeting is that when you have what you spent and what you typically spent, the idea is to create a budget you can follow going forward because the budget is supposed to keep you accountable, keep you honest. So let's just say, you know, we're coming into the top of the month. It's March. When you have a complete budget and this is you're saying I bring in 4000 a month. Here's where that money is going to go. You know, there's 200 to that emergency savings account, like 200 to investing, everything else to life. When you put those numbers in, now it's your duty or your job to go back in as the month progresses to see how you're doing towards those goals. Mm-hmm. Now, if you set things as automatic, so you're saving and investing goals, or you're paying off debt, then you know those are taken care of. But some other stuff like restaurants, for me at least, I got to check in to say, oh, it's mid month. I said I was going to spend three hundred. I've already spent two fifty, which now can help inform me how I should spend the money for the rest of the month. Or you know what? Someone's birthday is coming up, and I actually feel like I'm going to spend more than fifty dollars, and I got to find money from somewhere else in my budget. So don't mm-hmm. just like set numbers and just like walk away. You're done. It's setting the numbers, going back to them, and making sure you're actually in the guidelines and you're coming up with a plan if you're not. Yeah. And I think just being honest with yourself about maybe how flexing those quote unquote parameters or guidelines actually makes you feel. And if something's going on in your life that demands of that, then that's one thing. But if it's constantly happening, then that's a bigger conversation about if you need to be broadening that, you know, budgetary moment in general, if 
uh, there's something going on that you need to talk about, which is why that you're broadening that budgetary moment. Uh, so yeah, it goes back to feelings and just getting really honest, which again can be really, really challenging. Yeah. And listen, this is not to say like, don't spend money on things you enjoy. You know, I think about budgeting in for birthdays and holidays and like those things come up, right. Or like celebrating friends' birthdays, buying other people gifts. So sometimes things will happen and we're not prepared for it, but it's like, we kind of knew it was going to happen and we need to put that into our budget or our spending. So I think even insurance, like if you pay insurance on a monthly basis, right? Like (laughs) it's like, you got to put away for it. Don't wait for the, like the premium to be due. And it's like, oh my gosh. And then you don't have the money for it. If you know that this is due, how can you put money away every month that you can pay that when the time is, is there? And this goes back to having the emergency fund and like, just kind of like, keeping these things in mind for what could fluctuate or change. Like obviously at the turn of a new year, when we're talking about things like insurance or perhaps at the beginning of a new rent cycle, things are going to happen where dollars are going to go up. And so making sure that you have what you need available to you so that you can manage and take care of you. It's, you know, the responsibility that we all have to take on. Right. And a budget is meant to also be fluid too like you said like it's okay if you are not getting it right away it's okay if you realize like I'm putting in this line item for I keep saying restaurants but that's like my um (laughs) that's that's my weakness is like and you realize you know what that is not realistic because I spend way more than this and so it's really just about being honest you know the numbers but then giving yourself flexibility and what it really comes down to is if it's that important with you to you to do that thing where is that money going to come from? Either you're going to keep going into debt to to help fund that life, or you're going to have to find somewhere else to cut out, or you're going to have to make more money. Yeah. So you're going to have to make more money. We love making more money. Make more money. That's (laughs) that. I love making more money. (laughs) But, um, and here's the thing too. I actually think for some people, and I know for people roll their eyes when it's like, Oh, you know, if you have more money, like you don't have any issues, but I know a lot of people who have a lot of money and they still have the same issues. Like they're blowing through money too. And I think now if you are kind of strapped or you have a little less, if you get a hang of this now, when the money does start coming to you, it's easier to manage because you've done the work when you had a little bit versus, you know, sometimes having excess makes it harder to to do some of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, I think one of my favorite things that you advised during the last half hour was really talking about those automatic transfers. Those can be just such a game changer. And yes, I will say that I have a couple of those set up and I still like have a moment of pause whenever I see that, like, well, where'd that money go? And then I'm like, oh, it's the automatic transfer. But honestly, for everything for me from automatically transferring money into my IRA to automatically transferring money into my savings, they that it's been, these have been huge game changers for me to make sure that I'm financially accountable for where I want to go thinking about my long-term goals. Right. Think about it this way. I look at it as if I set my savings and investing goals for the year and it's automatically going out, I can do whatever I want with the rest of the money, like whatever I want. And now, you know, there's maybe a limit and some things that I have to pay for like the mortgage, but literally I can do what I want once I'm reaching my savings, investing and debt payoff goals. That money is mine. I love it. So 
We love it. We love it. Jamila, this was so, so, so helpful. I am so thankful for all of this advice. I'm like more motivated to make sure that I put this spot on my calendar to go check in on where my personal budget is at. How do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us all of your details. Yeah. So wherever you listen to this amazing podcast, you can find my podcast journey to launch. I talk about all things, financial freedom and independence. And I can't wait to have you join me on this journey. I'm also on social media as at Journey to Launch on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And then my website is journeytolaunch.com. Beautiful. I'm over at Hurdle Podcast and at Emily Abadi. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. 